Before they were Beatles, they sold one. Strawberry Fields, an introduction. Liverpool, England, October 1956. Schoolboy John Lennon and his best friend Pete Shotton decide to form a skiffle group for a bit of a lark. Four years later, John, now accompanied by Paul McCartney, George Harrison, Stuart Sutcliffe and Pete Best, left Liverpool to start a series of near-legendary gigs in Hamburg, Germany. The group, now performing under their newly acquired name, The Beatles. This is going to be the story of those four years. The story of how one of the thousands of amateur schoolboy skiffle bands evolved in the beginning of the greatest rock band in popular history. It's a story of hope, creativity and exploring musical boundaries. It's also a story of tragedy, coincidence and at times just sheer luck. It is a story of beginnings. The story of John, Paul, George and Ringo before they were Beatles. I'm your host, Alan J. Porter. Strawberry Fields, Central Park, New York. It's early on a Sunday, September morning. The air is crisp and the squirrels are playing in the trees around me. The tourists are starting to arrive in a steady stream. Some walk over it without noticing. Others stop and look as if to say, is that it? But a few stop, bend down and touch the mosaic tiles that spell out a single word. Imagine. Their faces reflecting memories, hopes and dreams. For me, this is the culmination of a personal journey that began over 30 years ago on an ocean away when I first stood outside the gates of Strawberry Field in Liverpool. I was born and lived the first 20 years of my life on the banks of the River Mersey, about 30 miles upstream from Liverpool. Shortly after my fourth birthday, the family bought its first TV set. I remember watching a Popeye cartoon, followed by an early evening show broadcast by the local Granada TV station called Scene at 6.30. I had been allowed to stay up as a treat, and something on that show caught my imagination, a strange sort of music I hadn't heard before, My parents always preferred light opera, so rock and roll wasn't something that was in the house. It was October 18th, 1963, and the Beatles had entered my life. From then on, I have loved their music. As with all other kids of my generation, I played at being the Beatles in the streets, complete with plastic guitars. As I grew older, I discovered other bands and sounds, but underlying them all was the influence of the Fab Four. In the mid-70s, punk had exploded on the scene, some friends formed a band, and I ended up playing one gig as support to the Buzzcocks, as it turned out, as a substitute bass player, unwittingly imitating Stuart Sutcliffe's early back-to-the-audience technique to cover my own lack of skill. In the late 1970s, I attended Riversdale Technical College in Liverpool, where I was surprised to learn that Richard Starkey, better known as Ringo Starr, had once, albeit briefly, been a student. I also suddenly found myself amid places with familiar names, such as Penny Lane and Strawberry Field. I spent most of my time listening to local bands playing in small, dank nightclubs, hearing tales of the Mersey Beat era and the Cavern Club. This all led to an interest in uncovering the early history of the Beatles. I was determined to find out exactly what combination of circumstances, influence and even chance encounters transformed a schoolboy band into the rock and roll group that headed to Hamburg in 1960, billing themselves under their newly acquired name, the Beatles. And what a journey it has been. The original Before They Were Beatles book, published in 2003, 
was the culmination of many years' research involving hundreds of books, magazines, newspapers, websites, many hours of music, and a rediscovery of what made the Beatles so special. It has also opened my eyes to the pitfalls and perils that were faced by anyone who has the vague notion of writing a biography. History is fickle, and memory is selective, even with recent events. That has proved to be the case in nearly every aspect of the story of the Beatles' early years in Liverpool. Nobody documents the minutiae of their teenage years, and we certainly don't think that the games we play and the schoolboy fantasies and attempts at defining a role for ourselves will be noteworthy to future historians. The teenagers who populate this story were no different from the rest of us. As a consequence, most of the facts surrounding the early years of the Beatles are lost to the mists of time. I recently heard an argument that it is impossible to construct the history of rock due to the many conflicting stories and resources, and the same applies here. So please consider this a history of the early Beatles. Where possible, I have tried to verify facts against contemporary published resources where they exist. Otherwise, one has to rely on the memory of those who were present, both central and peripheral. Over the years, that memory is subject to change, sometimes in an effort to inflate a person's own importance or to promote a particular personal agenda. Recollections are often contradictory. Often, though, it is no more than an inability to recall the exact circumstances or facts. While frustrating to the researcher, it is something I fully understand, as I can't even recall the name of the band I played in as a teenager. It was only for one gig, after all. In this podcast, based upon the book, I have attempted to present a near-chronological story that charts the converging paths of the main players in the Beatles story between the years 1956-1960. Dates and events have been determined by comparing various sources, published and unpublished. In some cases, I will admit to the occasional educated guess as to when a particular incident fits into the time frame. Any errors or omissions, therefore, are solely my own. I would, however, like to extend a large and heartfelt thanks to Mr. Rod Davis of the Quarrymen, who was there for most of the story told in these upcoming episodes. And he was also kind enough to share his recollections and time during the preparation of the original book. And of course, a large vote of thanks to John, Paul, George and Ringo, as well as Stuart, Pete, both of them, Rod, Eric, Colin, Len, Norman, Tommy, Ken, and anyone else who played a part. Without them, there would have been no story to tell. As an aside, whenever I'm lucky enough to be back in New York, I always try and find time to stop by Strawberry Fields in Central Park to pay my respects and have a few minutes of quiet contemplation. As it turned out, one of those trips coincided with the celebrations of John's birthday, and I managed to capture this little moment on my phone. Apologies for the sound quality, but I hope you enjoy it. Someday 
In the next episode, we will journey back to 1956 and take a look at the influences of Skiffle and the early rock and roll performers that drove the boys to pick up the guitars. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Before They Were Beatles podcast. If you would like to leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform, that would be great. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. The music heard in this episode included The Quarrymen, In Spite of All the Danger, John Lennon, Strawberry Fields Forever, an acoustic version. Various voices singing Imagine. You can find full versions of the music heard in this episode in the dedicated Before They Were Beatles podcast YouTube channel, for which I'll add the link in the show notes. If you would like to make a comment or ask a question, you can follow the podcast's Twitter account at Before Beatles or email me at alan, A-L-A-N, at beforetheywerebeatles.com. You can also still find copies of the original Before They Were Beatles book on Amazon in hardcover, paperback, and Kindle edition. I'm your host, Alan J. Porter. Stay well, stay safe, and enjoy peace and love. The Before They Were Beatles podcast is a production of Megrin Entertainment, a division of 4J's group.